Where's Charlie at? You know, Charlie, when, I, when he found out that I was preaching today, he says, do I need to bring you a step ladder so you can get up on it? You know what? I'm up on the stage, but if you still need to look and you can just look down and I'll be down around here somewhere. So <laughs> anyway, I'm just happy to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's always good to come and, and preach the word. I don't get to preach every week. And since I gave up my church uh, eight years ago and took this job with Neva, I don't get to preach every, every Sunday. So it's just a pleasure to come preach the word. So I'm just thankful to be here. I don't know if you, if you was misled by the, the title of our message today. It's called A Testimony of the Present and a Warning of the Future. So if you come here today expecting to hear an apocalyptic message or a message about things going on in our society today and what's going to happen in future events with the end of times, it's not going to happen. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about Calvary Baptist Church. I'm going to talk about what you're going through right now. I'm going to talk about, as Pastor Sam gets ready to leave, what the future may look like and the responsibilities that a pastor has given by the Apostle Paul. You know, the the Apostle Paul, he was on his third missionary journey, and he was leaving from... He was leaving from Macedonia, and he was on his way. He was going to go to Jerusalem. But along with that, some of the people that was with him told him, don't go to Jerusalem because they're probably going to kill you there. They want to persecute you there. But here's what he did. He said, look, the Spirit of God is leading me to go there. Did you hear that? The Spirit of God was leading him. Even in a time of danger, Paul was facing, he understood what his position was. The Spirit of God is leaving me. Don't let that thought leave your mind today. I want you to keep that in your mind. The Spirit of God is leading him to go where he's going. So he sends out... He goes past the church, of, uh, he goes past Asia. He doesn't want to spend, the, spend any time there because he's on this hurry to get to Jerusalem. So he bypasses the city of Ephesus, a place where he had a great love for. But here's what he does. He goes past, my, past Ephesus and he goes to a place called Miletus. And in verse 17, he says, Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I set first in Asia how I was with you the whole time. That's where we're going to start. I'm not specifically talking about to the elders today. I am speaking to Calvary Baptist Church and to the elders. Paul set an example through his life. And we're going to look at that example from the, from the example that Paul set. And I think Paul leaves us a good example as, we go, as, as you guys start forward to look for a new pastor. I think that's a very good baseline to start. And just look at the Apostle Paul. Of course, the Apostle Paul is not Jesus. He had his faults. <laughs> of course, we can tell that from early on when his name was Saul. We had a lot of faults. So, but he gives us a pretty good baseline. If we're going to model our pastor after somebody, I hope it's someone like the Apostle Paul. And he's going to explain some of that to us and give us that example. We're going to be looking at uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24 through 38. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and open that out. And we'll start there. 
The first thing that we come across, we see Paul, again, he's given this example of the way that he handled things, that the, the example of how he lived in the church and the things that they should be looking for in a pastor. And the first thing that he shows us is commitment. Look at verse 24. Let's pray first. I'm sorry. How do we even start that without prayer? I just got ahead of myself. But, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord just has to reach up and slap us upside the head. He does this to, to me all the time. I sit down and start to write out a message, and I can't get it going. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And he says, you didn't pray. So let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. We thank you for this day. And I just thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word. And Father God, as we work our way through this, may you just lead us and guide us through all things, Lord, that we will have a good total understanding of what you want for this church, what you want for each and every one of us, Lord, as Christians. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. May you bring a blessing on this word. Amen. So again, back to uh, chapter 20, verse 24. He says, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish the course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So the first thing we see is commitment. Verse 24, I believe that a pastor's calling, first and foremost, it has to come from God. And that's something that you need to really pound on when somebody turns in a resume, you need to look at that resume and, and look at their qualifications. Of course, look at their qualifications. But the main thing you want to look at is, is this person called by God? And I would all even, even go even farther to go back and say, how long did he spend at this church? How long did he spend at this church? How long did he spend at this church? Because I, I got a message for you. If he's a church hopper from church to church to church, he's not called by God. He's looking for something bigger and better. We don't need that. You know what? I've been a, the director of missions here for eight years now, and I've seen a lot of pastors come, and I've seen a lot of pastors go. We even had one pastor that was here only about a year. We've had a lot of pastors come here, and they get to this area, and they think, hey, I'm going to change Nevada. We're going to take away the prostitutes. We're going to take away the gambling. We're going to take away the alcohol. We're going to take away all this stuff, and guess what? They left. Those still things are still here. <laughs> You're not going to change Nevada. You may change some hearts, and I hope you do during your term here, but you're not going to change the hearts. And they, they come here with these grand things of, of what it's going to be like. They think that Nevada is all about Las Vegas, nice sunny weather, until they get that first big winter where they got two foot of snow and it's like 20 below zero, and you're like, well, we haven't seen that since about eight, 1985, I think. Whoa, what is this all about? So there's culture shock when you come here to Nevada. It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. It's totally different than being in Mississippi or one of the Bible Belt places. We need to know if it's a calling. A calling. I spent 13 years in Wells at, the, at Wells Baptist Church as a pastor there. And when I first went over there, Bob Parker called me over to be an interim pastor there. And when I went to the interview, uh, about a week later, they called me up and they said, will you take this job as a pastor? Well, the, I'd already been talking to like three other churches that was very interested in me. And I'm like, pastor in Wells, Nevada? Do any of you even know where Wells, Nevada is at? If you go down I-80, you might, might fly past it. You probably don't even stop unless you're out of fuel. I'm like, who wants to go to Wells, Nevada? I do 
didn't want to go to Wells, Nevada. I'm like, this is not what I wanted. I want a church that can give me a, a salary that, that I can live on and, and, and then that's going to be decent weather and, 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 and the nearest Walmart doesn't have to be like 50 miles away, right? <laughs> this is not what I wanted. And I prayed about it. And I was trying all the way I could to find excuses not to go there. But you know what God did? All those other three churches, they literally closed the door on me. They didn't find a pastor. They closed the door on me. I'm like, okay. So I guess I keep looking. But then something happened. I got some letters and some cards from some of the people in Wells. And they really encouraged me. Now when I sat down, I said, okay, Lord, I'm starting to feel a love for this church. (laughs) I was there for 13 years in that place I didn't want to be. But it was a calling that God had given me and laid on my heart. We often find people coming out to this area. They say it's a calling, but they very seldom stick around here too long. Nevada's different. It's different. This area is different. So they need to have a calling. They need to be able to finish. Look back again at verse 24. It says, But I consider my life of no value of myself. My purpose is to finish my course. And here we come back again to those pastors that left. Finish the course. Paul mentioned in in Timothy that he was already being poured out as a drink offering. In other words, in Timothy, he was already in prison in Rome. Okay, He knew that he was going to die. Nero was the, the emperor at the time. Nero was just a horrible, horrible person. And he knew that he was about ready to die. But here's the thing about it. He continued to minister. He sent letters to Timothy, and he, he wrote letters to, to, to Rome. And so he knew that time was coming, but he never quit. When he was in Macedonia, he, he, went to the, he started a church in Philippi, and guess what? They ran him out of town. They ran him out of town, but he didn't quit ministry. Let me tell you something about ministry. It's tough work. It's tough work. Anybody that's ever been in ministry will tell you it's hard work. And you may think, well, you only preach like an hour on on Sunday. But guess what? There's a lot of other stuff involved with ministry that doesn't just involve preaching. And we're going to talk about some of that here in just a few minutes. It'll wear you out. It will wear you out. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We need to finish If God has called us, He has called us to finish. I believe that Pastor Sam was called here. I believe that before him and Jan came here, they sat down and they prayed a whole bunch. And they come out for an interview. And I believe after that interview, they probably went back home and they prayed and they thought about this a long time and they sought God on the whole thing and said, yes, I believe God's calling us to Calvary Baptist Church in Elko, Nevada. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe Sam has spent a good time here. But Sam's getting old. He's getting old. It's time for him to move on to other things. But I believe this too. 
Before he turned in his resignation, I believe that him and Jan and maybe the elders and maybe some other people got together and they prayed about this long and they prayed about it hard. Did he finish? And I think that was a question that he probably had to answer on his own. Did I finish? And I think he did. I think he's done a great job here. He must be a steward. Look at verses 24 through 27 again. But I consider my life of no value of myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus. Listen to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. First, in in 2 Timothy, he talks also, that Paul also talks about how we have received the gospel message. We have received the message of Jesus Christ. And guess what he wants us to do? He wants us to share that same message that we received from him. He wants us to share that. You know, when, when, when Paul was preaching, he did not have this book that we call the Holy Bible. He may have had some scrolls from the Old Testament. But most everything he got was direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he had to refer that to other men and trust that gospel to other men. And those other men had to, re, had, to, had to trust that to other men. Do you know how the church was started? They didn't have multimedia. They didn't have Facebook and they didn't have Snapchat and they didn't have TV and they didn't have radios and they didn't have none of this stuff. How did it grow so fast? One man telling two people, two people telling four, four people telling eight people. It grew in masses. Anybody ever done any network marketing? Basically, the church was network marketing in the beginning. It grew because people was talking the message of Jesus Christ. The church is going to grow today because we speak the message of Jesus Christ and we share it with other people. And God has entrusted us with that message and we need to share that message with other people. That's what we're called to do. It's called discipling. I know that's a weird word to you guys. You've probably never heard that before, right? Right. If you haven't, come talk to me, please. There seems to be a great movement in our society to create a, an atmosphere called a seeker-friendly atmosphere. I get it. I get it. We want our place to be comfortable. We want to draw people here because they can feel like they can come to the church and they're going to be welcome here. I get that. We should do that. But in a seeker-friendly church, they often do other things. I actually heard one preacher on TV being interviewed. He's a well-known preacher. I don't necessarily call him a Christian preacher. But anyway, they asked him, the, the, the guy interviewing him said, I've never heard you talk about hell. I've never heard you talking about sin or repentance. His response was, well, I'm sure that people know about that. Here's the problem. You see, he did not want to speak those things because it's offensive to people. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand something. The message of the Lord Jesus is offensive to people. 
Because the message of our Lord Jesus causes us to look deep into our hearts, deep into our minds, and say, what is my walk with Christ? Am I living the life that I should be living? And it brings us to our knees in repentance. You know what? When we get ready, when a, when a pastor gets ready to start sharing a message, you know who God speaks to first? Him. Him. And just like the prophets of old, we need to get ourselves right with God before we can even bring a message. We need to get on our knees and we need to examine our lives and say, look, I'm the leader of this church. I'm the shepherd of this church. Am I setting an example for people to follow? Am I going to be like Paul? The people can look up to me and say, that's the way I need to be. And of course, Paul actually modeled his life after the one person that he should model it after, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back many years ago, uh, I know it was many years ago because I can barely remember it. it, it there was a thing that said, what would Jesus do? And I think that's the thing that we always need to look at. What would Jesus do? And if we're going to call a pastor, we need to make sure that he's going to preach the gospel, the whole gospel, and not cut it short because it offends people. I'm an expository preacher. The, the, the disadvantage to be an, ex, an expository preacher is as you go through a chapter, verse by verse by verse by verse, and you get to those things where you think, I don't know that people really want to hear this. I don't know that I, I, this may offend some people. As an expository preacher, guess what I have the responsibility to do? I have to teach that. It's not pick and choose. It's next in line. And if I go around it, my congregation is going to say, why didn't you preach that other passage? Whoops. Busted. Busted. I'm not saying that we shouldn't make people in our churches comfortable. I believe that with all my heart. We should love them, fellowship with them, take care of them. We can never, ever, ever look past the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Look at this passage down here. Down here it says, uh, back in, back in 20, verse 26, it says, Therefore I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all you. What, what's he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. If he brings a message that tickles our ears and not the whole message, people in our congregations are getting ready to die. And guess what they're going to guess where they're going to wind up? They're not going to wind up in the arms of Jesus. They're going to wind up in hell. And it's all his fault because he did not preach the truth of the gospel message. People's lives are at stake. And I don't mean their physical life. I mean their spiritual life. Where are they going to spend eternity? We can't miss those things. They have to know what it's all about. Many of you have probably heard about Willow Creek Community Church. Bill Hybels is the pastor there. He set the model for the mega church movement in America. He had a flourishing church. It's still a flourishing church. They had programs for everything, anything you could imagine, Willow Creek had it. They was reaching people. People was coming through the doors uh, like, like cattle trucks was, was opening the, the, the gates and letting them in. But they did a survey. 
And actually, I, I, I hear tell that it was Lifeway that actually come in and did the survey. I, I don't know if it was them or somebody else. But anyway, they did a survey of the church. And guess what they found? Over half the people that was coming to Willow Creek Community Church were unsaved and did not know even what that meant. Oh, it cut Bill Hybels to the heart. He said, we're going to change that. We're going to change that today. And I am so thankful that he did because he was leading about 16,000 people at that time down the wrong road. I'm glad he changed. I'm glad that he's doing the things that he's doing now to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Let's preach that, huh? The truth of God, Jesus Christ crucified. Next, the pastor must be a shepherd. Look at verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. And again, even the elders and each and every one of you that are responsible for Bible teaching or whatever, you're overseers of the church body. Which he purchased with his own blood. First off, a pastor... You know, when you look at the gifts for ministry, there's a lot of them. They, 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 some are evangelists, some are preachers, some are shepherds. What we need in our churches, we don't need evangelists. We need shepherds. And there is a difference. I know a guy that actually kind of mentored me for a while. He was a great evangelist. But guess what? <laughs> His people skills, eh was not very good. We need somebody in our churches to shepherd our people. We need somebody in our churches that has a humble attitude towards Him and a caring attitude towards Him, towards the people in His church. He needs to feed them with the Word of God, but He needs to feed them in such a way that they can understand what he's preaching. Uh, not too long ago, I was, doing a, I was mentoring a man as he was going through seminary training. And one of the things that come up in his training, one of the questions that come up in, in this class was about proclaiming the message in a way that people could understand it. Look, I know many of us that have some kind of theology background, if any at all, know that there's words in the Bible that we throw around here and people do not even understand it. Things like propitiation. And I'm not going to ask how many people out here know what that word propitiation means. Or justification or sanctification. And ladies and gentlemen, if we got a room full of people, they don't understand those things. So we as ministers have to make sure that we relay that message in such a way that people can understand it. I always try to relay in such a way that even the most simplest, youngest person in the place can understand what I'm saying. Because that way I know everybody can understand it. But I also explain 
with propitiation and sanctification and a justification and all those other shins. I, I, I explain what those things are all about. We need to do that. We need to feed the flock. Next, we need to lead the flock away from danger. I'm going to touch on this here in just a minute as well. When you lose a pastor, our adversary, the devil, he's like, hey, the general's dead. We got to play pace. And he will try to drive people away from the church. He will try to draw people away from the church. He will even tell people things like, well, you don't have a pastor anymore, so you don't even necessarily have a church. Why are you even going there? I mean, he fills our minds full of this stuff, just like he did in the garden of Adam and Eve. He lies to them. He's a deceitful man. We need to watch out for people in our church that are starting to drift away from the church, starting to drift away from the fellowship, starting to drift away from the word of God, starting to drift away from their prayer time. We need to, pastors need to be aware of those things. And of course, he can't be aware by himself if he's in a larger church. I mean, when I was in Wells, 30 people, yeah, I, I could handle that pretty much. But when you got two or 300 people, that's a difficult task. And that's where each and every one of you comes into play. The elders, the deacons, the people in the church. We need to watch out for each other. He needs to not only lead the flock away from danger, but he also needs to lead the body into fellowship, into becoming this loving organism that's alive and reaches out to other people. We're not called to be this little group, this little society within our building that nobody's allowed into. Our goal is to reach the lost. Whether it be the homeless guy, the drug addicts, the alcoholic, the people with Issues in their mind. Our place is to meet, take the message to everyone. And our actions should be one of love and care for everyone and anyone. Not just an exclusive few, but everyone. So that's the pastor's responsibility too. To lead them in that direction. Now... We move on to the second part of this, a warning to the future. Look at verse 29 through 35. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come, to, come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the world of his word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me in every way. I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said it is more blessed than to get best more. I'm sorry, more blessed to give than to receive. 
Paul brought this message to a close by giving warnings to the dangers that are wasted a pastorless church. There are dangers around us. Look again at verse 29. And I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and not sparing the flock. So, I want to tell you something. In the eight years I've been the director of missions, I have had to deal with a number of churches when their pastors left. Whether they left mad, or whether they left for emergencies, or whether they just decided to up and leave. I am thankful that Pastor Sam is doing what he's doing right now, having a search team already working, trying to find a pastor before he leaves. I am so thankful for that. I don't know what I'd have to do if I had to minister to five pastorless churches. That's a lot to carry. But I do know this as well. Oftentimes, when there's not a pastor, people will try to come into the church and trying to bring and enforce their will upon the church. They may or may not even be Christians. One of the first churches I had to go to after I took this position, they had had the pastor leave, some complications there. He left. The church was in turmoil. And come to find out there were some people there that was trying to make decisions, and they were not even members of the church. Come to find out they weren't even Christians, but they believed in God, <laughs> multiple gods, And they did not want to follow the things that 